This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. Well, well, let me begin like this. We pray frequently for our nation, and that's, that's godly because the Lord, excuse me, tells us to, to, to do that. And, um, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 4 says, pray for all people beginning with kings and those in authority, and so we need to pray for our nation. But as we look at this nation becoming more secular and more detached from the mind and the heart of God, we need to understand that God's plan for change in this nation doesn't begin from top down. With the president, the Senate, and the Congress, change happens from the bottom up. It really happens from the bottom up. And if it happens from the bottom up, who cares who's in office? The Father in heaven has a plan for each of his believers. He places each of his beloved strategically, and that means there is a strategy of God. There is a plan to place each true believer where we are. You're where you are by God's plan. God puts us where we are so that we affect the lives of people in our family, our workplace, the ball team you're on. Maybe you walk with a neighbor to affect that neighbor, and he places you there to bring Christ in their lives, to begin to break down the walls of unbelief. And when these hearts turn toward Christ, now you think about this. This is why change begins in our country from the bottom up, because when these hearts turn toward Christ and accept Christ, who lives in them? The Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit begins to change how they think. And the Holy Spirit begins to change how they live. And see, you're placed in your, where you are strategically. I don't care what you're in. If you're on a ball team, if you walk with a neighbor at work, I don't care where it is, your family. Man, you start telling those people about Jesus Christ and they receive the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God dwells in them and they start thinking and living differently. What's going to happen? This nation would change so fast. If every believer would do that, this nation would change so fast. See, but we ain't doing it, folks. <laughs> We're not doing it. I mean, let, let me support that with Scripture. I, I, I'm not just blowing smoke here. Let me just, Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked or sinful ways, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. But it begins with my people, see. Now, too many of us, and I include myself, professing Christians, want one foot in the world and one foot in the church. People who profess to be Christians say, oh, I love the Lord, I belong to the Lord. We walk out of marriages for non-biblical reasons. We walk out of marriages because, well, he or she doesn't meet my needs. What kind of a message is that sending to a secular world, huh? I mean, we just buy into the whole world system. I'm saying the reason more and more people are drifting from the principles of God's word and this nation is becoming so far from the heart of God is because, you know, don't blame the secular world. God expects the world to act like the world. 
it's because we are not influencing it like we should. We're afraid or at the very least reluctant to say, hey, you're in sin. This is what God says. This is what God says. How many people have kids who move in, they live together, you know, and they're your kids, and you're just so reluctant to say, listen, God says this is not right. God says it. That, are we afraid to say God says it in his word? Okay. You've heard many times we lived in a postmodern culture. And postmodern is just a big word that defines our society today. And the key word for postmodern is tolerance. See, with tolerance, nobody's wrong anymore and everybody's right. Now, let me tell you the old definition of tolerance. Tolerance is I accept you as a person, but I don't accept everything you do or everything you believe that's not in line with the word of God. If you believe it, it's not in line. I don't accept that. If you believe something stupid, it's not in line with the word. If you're living an ungodly lifestyle, I don't accept that. I don't have to accept all that but I will accept you as, as a person and I will love you for who you are. That's the old definition of tolerance. Here's the new one. You cannot accept me as a person unless you accept what I believe, my belief system, and my lifestyle, how I live. In other words, everybody's belief system has to be right. Everybody's lifestyle is right. Nobody's wrong anymore. And we say it like this, there is no longer or are no longer any moral absolutes. Absolute. The word absolute means this is God's word. It applies to everybody. Everybody comes under its authority. Hindu, Buddhist, Islam, Chinese, American, Philippine, I don't care what. Everybody comes under the authority of God's word, not just some people. Now, do you believe in this postmodern world? Do you believe this postmodern world is going to love us more for our biblical position? Yeah, I mean, seriously, you think that the world is going to love you more? For standing on the word of God? Of course they're not. So are you ready, maybe not to be accepted? Are you ready to stand for what you profess? Are you ready to confess what you believe? See, are you ready not to be accepted? Or will you fit right in and tolerate everything? And what about our kids and grandkids? I mean, we, we have, I think we have misconstrued values here, a lot of people. You know, we think the most important time they can spend is the time they spend in school. Like education is the big deal. Hey, education corrupts minds a lot of times. And, you know, education today, popular education is so politically correct. I mean, the most, it, 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 and it's not being on a ball team either or being a cheerleader or stuff like that. The most important time your kids can spend is with you as a family worshiping God, either right here in your home, gr- around the word of God, where they're grounded, encouraged, and strengthened in God's precious word. That's the most important time your kids can ever spend. That's where they prepare for the future, not in school. It's not just about kids, it's about all of us. God strategically placed you where you are, in your family, in your job, in your group, to influence those people to Jesus Christ. And to do that, and this is what this message is all about, you have to know what you believe. You have to believe that this book is God's inspired, which means God breathed directly from God, word to you without error or contradiction. You gotta believe there is no error or contradiction in this word, and this is God speaking to you. You will never, listen, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You will never stand for the word of God. You will never stand for what you profess, for what you believe. You will never, ever do that. You will never make a difference in anybody's life. You're going to blend in with the rest of society. You're going to be like everybody else unless you are absolutely convinced that this book is truth. I've been studying 2 Kings, and I really like what Josiah did. I really relate to Josiah. Josiah's reform. I'm going to go back to 2 Kings 21. 
couple of kings before this guy Josiah was Manasseh. The Bible calls him the worst king in, in his, Israel's history. And he did repent, and Manasseh will be in heaven. But before his repentance, it says in 21.3, 21.3 of, of 2 Kings, he rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had destroyed. High places were the higher you go on a hill, the closer you were to the demonic spirits in the heavenlies, see. So he rebuilt these high places that dad had destroyed. He also erected altars to Baal. He made an Asherah pole. That's a nude pole, nude statue, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. He bowed down to all the starry hosts. He worshiped them. Oh, look at this. He built altars, verse 4, in the temple of the Lord. Which about, about which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, I will put my name. Look at verse 6. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced sorcery and divination. He consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So all that's going on in the kingdom of Israel, God's chosen people. They are at their lowest point, see. Now, Manasseh's son was a guy named Ammon, A-M-O-N. He continues it. And Ammon's son is this guy, Josiah, Josiah. And everything continues, all the stuff I just read. It's all going on in the early part of his reign. So, one day, Hilkiah, and he's the high priest in Israel. And I don't know whatever led him into this, but he starts rummaging through some old books in the temple, which now had these nude Asherah poles and altars to Baal and everything in it and all that stuff. So he's rummaging through some old, you know, just like you rummage through some old boxes and you find a book. Oh, that's neat. He found this book. Know what it was? The book of the law, the first five books of Moses. And so he sits down. He starts reading this thing. He's riveted. He says, uh-oh, we're in trouble. That's what he said. He says, the king has to see this. And so he sends it to King Josiah, who is 26 years old. Josiah is a young guy, and Josiah stays up for days. He doesn't sleep, reading the book of the law. He's reading God's word. And the law said, don't build shrines in the high places. Don't worship the Baal idols of other nations. Don't have men as priests who don't love the true God. Hilkiah read that, see. Have no other gods before me. Don't engage in the practices of your heathen neighboring tribes and countries. And Josiah reads this and he says, we're doing all of this, we're dead. And then the Bible says he wept, he cried, he mourned. He said, what have we done? I'm guilty. I let this go on. And he cried out for forgiveness. And so God sent to Josiah a prophetess whose name was Huldah, 2 Kings 22, 19, because your heart was responsive and humbled. This is what she said to Josiah, because you were cut to the quick and your heart, your heart was responsive to the word of God and you were humbled. Or you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste. And because, because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. And now this 26-year-old kid, Josiah, he goes to work. Do you think, now listen, let me ask you this. Do you think for a minute what Josiah was about to do was popular? Was this popular? I mean, these people loved their Baal worship. They were entrenched in Baal worship. And, you know, they, they worshiped the starry hosts of heaven. And they really worshiped the demons and thought the demons were blessing them. And, and Josiah's going to say, don't do this anymore. You know, 
You know, they had these sexual religious cults, a way to worship the Baals. They, they had temple prostitutes, male and female. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a way to worship the Baals, see? And they were entrenched in all this, and he destroys it all. I mean, Josiah, he orders the destruction of all this. I'm in 2 Kings 23, verse 4. The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest and the priest next in rank and the doorkeeper to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside in the fields of Jerusalem. Verse 6, he took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem, burned it there. He ground it to powder, scattered the dust over the graves. Verse 7, he also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes, which were in the temple of God, where the women of God were weaving for Asherah and all this stuff. He just destroyed the whole, shlemiel, the whole shlemiel. Real popular guy, huh? Now, look at verse 21 of 2 Kings 23. He gave this order... To all the people, celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God as it's written in the book of the covenant. And then verse 22, look at this. Not since the days of the judges who led Israel, not, not, not throughout the days of all the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, had any such Passover been observed. This is centuries since they've observed the Passover according to the law of God. But in the 18th year, verse 23 of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Now let this build up. Look at verse 24. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of all the mediums, all the spiritists, the household gods, the idols of all the other detestable things he saw in Judah and Jerusalem. And this he did, now look, at to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Now get this, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. Name your next baby boy Josiah. I mean, this guy was a piece of work. This guy was something very, 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 very special, man. What a man of God. And that, folks, is the power of the word. I, I read that stuff, and I get all revved up, man. That's the power of the word of God. He reads the book of the law. Josiah repents before God. And then he acts, and he brings the nation back to the true God. I mean, you talk about the power of the word. I was reading this thing in a commentary. The Baptist church sent a missionary to South Africa. No, 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 yeah, to South America, the Venezuela, to a, a region that had about 3,000 people in it. And this missionary, this was in the late 1800s or, or mid-1800s, he had, he had one Bible with him. And he goes down to this area in and around Venezuela, and the cannibalistic people kill him and his family and kind of eat him alive. But the guy had one Bible with him. Ten years later, the Baptist church says, the mission council says, well, we want to send someone else down there, and there were no takers. Finally, this one young man says, I'll go, hoping that maybe he could convert a few people before they ate him alive. He got there. Remember, the missionary had left one Bible. The people welcomed him and embraced him. They all loved the Lord. And there were churches there and self-trained pastors from that one Bible. In 10 years, all from one Bible left there by a martyred missionary. See, that, folks, is the power you know, a whole community like that. Pastors, churches, one Bible. That's the power of the word. If you're going to be Josiah, a Josiah, a stand for what you believe and not be wishy-washy, not trying to please God and man at the same time, one foot in the world, one foot in the church, you have to believe this book is absolute truth from the heart of God, worth risking your life and risking your everything for. You got to believe this baby is truth.
Why do we believe the Bible is the word of God without error? God's speaking to us. These are the five reasons you can believe that the Bible is the word of God. Number one, the character of God. 1 Peter 1, 16 says, you shall be holy for I am holy. God is holy. That means God has no sin. So that means if there's one word of scripture that misleads you or that's a lie. Now think about this. God is without sin. If there is one, and we say this is the word of God. God says, this is my word. So if there's one lie in this book, one lie, one misrepresentation, one contradiction, one error, what does that make God? A liar. Thus a sinner, right? And if God is a sinner, the whole Christian church crumbles. Close the doors and go home. One word of error, see? And this is how you got to think. I mean, you read this stuff and you say, God is holy. God can never, ever, ever lie. And so the word of God, now Jesus is going to say in the Gospels, he's going to say, when people hurt you and insult you and beat you up and all that stuff, you turn the other cheek. Something in you going to grind. Ooh, you're going to grind inside. But that's what God wants. Because God is holy. You turn the other cheek. See, that's what you do, see? When Peter tells us, in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is verse 2. It says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. That's the word of God, pure spiritual milk. Crave it like babies so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. See, memorize that passage. That means we should crave the word of God and discipline ourselves to study it and if that means going to bed at 10 o'clock instead of 11, so you can get up at 5.30 and drink in the word of God with prayer, that's what God wants you to do, see? Because he is holy and, and this is truth, okay? Second reason you know the Bible is absolute truth, and I love this one, is because of the, this, inner, this link, this interrelationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, the Old Testament talks a lot about festivals and priest robes that have bells and tassels and all that stuff. And every festival and every robe and every bell and every tassel is fulfilled in the New Testament in the work and person of Jesus Christ, and that is numerically impossible. That's all fulfilled there, every detail. Third reason, believe the Bible is truth that I are because of fulfilled prophecy. Hundreds of events, God said, will happen, and they did. I think of one. I finished reading the book of Jeremiah, and I can't think of chapter and verse. But Jeremiah said, this island of Tyre, T-Y-R-E, one, it was, it, was, it was like a fortress. You couldn't get to it because it was 25 miles out in the Mediterranean Sea. And Jeremiah prophesied, one day somebody's going to be able to cause way out to Tyre and defeat that island city-state. 300 years later, Alexander the Great did that very thing because the Bible prophesied it. Isaiah 7:14, behold a virgin will bear a son who bore Jesus. Centuries later a virgin See, here's, here's what blows me away about this. God's eternal. The same God who made the promise way back there is the same God who fulfilled it. You know what that tells you and me? 1 Thessalonians 4, Jesus will come again. He'll raise the believing dead. Um, the dead will rise first, and, and at that time, we who are alive will be caught up to meet him in the clouds in the air, and so we will be forever with the Lord. You can go to the bank on that promise. Yeah, I mean, seriously, man, you did that. That is going to happen, baby. You are going to listen. Either you're going to be one of those believing dead who rises first, or we're going to be caught up with him to meet the Lord in the air. That's not just pie in the sky. Fourth reason we stand on Scripture is this. 
It's been challenged. Ever since scripture has been written, the devil hates the word of God. You know, unbelievers say, oh, it's written by men. Men make mistakes. I can't bank anything on the word of God. Doesn't jive with all the historical and scientific information. That's all proven to be nonsense. And scripture has stood the test of time. All the arguments against it have come and gone, but the word of God stands just like Jesus said. He said, all this other stuff is going to pass away but my word will last forever. Isn't that something? It's been challenged by the greatest minds, and all that stuff is is gone. And what's still here? Here it is, man. Why do we believe the Bible is God's word inspired truth to die for? Number one, the character of God. Number two, he is, I mean, number one, he's holy. That's, that's got to be at the top. Any lie, in, if there's any lie in this Bible, God's not God, okay? Think like that. The whole interrelationship between the Old and New Testaments, fulfilled prophecy, has stood the test of time. And one more, change lives. There's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of examples. You people are examples of change lives. Change lives. No other book gives us the grace to endure. No other book gives us peace at the very core of our being, you know. How has your life changed because of the Word of God, you know, that gave you hope to hang on to? Just think about that. I mean, what if you didn't have that? I didn't have that. Well, what changes do you see in yourself because you've been reading, digesting, considering, thinking about God's word? You know, prayer and the word of God are disciplines, and you have to give yourself time to get into this stuff. Let me say this. It's very important. When you get into the word of God, you will be blessed beyond anything you do with your life, and you just don't think that way. When you get into the word of God, you'll be blessed beyond any time you spend on anything else. And you don't start with the tough stuff. Let me just give you some hints here. You don't begin with Genesis and say, I'm going to read the Bible through. You read the Gospels. You read about Jesus Christ. That's where you start. I always start people personally in Mark. You know, they say start in John. John is too tough, man. There's such theology in John. Start with Mark. Easy book. Flows really good. Start with Mark. Start reading Mark. And then read the Psalms and see how see what these Psalm writers went through. You know, they went through the same struggles we do. And as the Spirit leads you, go on from there. And you never read the Bible. Let me give you this hint. Please don't read the Bible and say, okay, I knocked off two or three chapters. Don't do that. Now, what I want to do is I want to read this book, and I want to understand this book. And I'm not going to knock off two, I knock off two or three chapters. It's better than not reading the Bible. That, that, that's better than that, of course. But you're not getting a whole lot. So what you need to do is you need to understand what you read and use some books, use some help, and digest it. And you know what? Once you embrace it and digest it and internalize it, you are going to see the principles of God's word working out in your life. And as you see those principles working out in your life, I tell you, you're going to say it doesn't get any better than this. It's going to be so good you can't stand it. But you got to begin. You've got to commit. You've got to say, I want this, man. It's like losing weight. It's like losing weight, man. You've got to give something up. Like sleep. Other reading, give up your novels, give up all the newspapers and other stuff you read, magazines, give it up. Your personal interest, work, TV, and get into something so good. And let me just tell you, the major thing about the Bible, it's all about Jesus Christ. You got to know this, everything in scripture points to Jesus Christ. He is the heart, the soul, the center of scripture. Every book in the Bible, somehow, one way or another, is meant to show the people of God that Jesus, no, no, it's meant to show everybody, everybody, that Christ is the only way God the Father has ordained to save people from eternal hell and bring them into fellowship with him. It's only in Jesus Christ that we know the forgiveness of our sins, 
Freedom from guilt, true peace. Wake up every day with real joy. That's only in Jesus Christ. What? Listen, what's more important than that? Real peace, real joy. Know your sins are forgiven. Know where you're going when you die. All in Christ. Why wouldn't you study the word of God? Prayer and the word of God are disciplines. You, you know, you got to give yourself the time to do all this stuff. You got to give yourself the time. Here's why I put time in, in the word of God, okay? You know, I got to tell you this. I don't study the word of God to preach it and teach it. I, I, do, I, I prepare for Bible studies. Yeah, I, I write sermons, but I put in a lot of time in the morning. That's my time with God. I put a lot of time in the morning, and I don't study the Bible to preach it and teach it. I don't do that. I don't think I've ever done that. I want to, I study the Bible because I want to know God. And then when I sit down to write a sermon or a Bible study, you know, I've already done my homework, okay? That's it in a nutshell. God reveals himself in the word, and I just want to know him better. I want to know how he thinks. I want to sense what's going on in his mind. Here's what I know. I know he loves me. I know that no sin I could ever sin will make him love me less. Now, what's that worth? Because I got to know God. I'm getting to know God, see? Is that the kind of stuff that'll get you through a day? Um, know what else I know about God, about, from the word of God? That suffering, little stuff, big stuff, it isn't meaningless. It has purpose. And something's happening to you and me when you suffer. And it just gives meaning to suffering. Is, is that anything worth knowing? I, I read Psalm 103, Psalm 103, verse 7. Where the word of God says he, way, he made his ways known to Moses. That means his heart. And he made his deeds known to the people of Israel. I want to be like Moses, man. I want to know his heart. I just don't want to know what he's done. And when I spend time in God's word, it's not, folks, get me. It's not, about, it, 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 it's not about facts. It's about intimacy with God. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.